I hate seeing my I hate seeing my face on on like a Twitter feed or something. Like it's just so because I, I was scrolling on my personal Twitter account because uh, you know your tweets are on ten and also scheduled, and I, I didn't really expect it. And all of a sudden, I see my face, and I, I literally got spooked. I'm like, whoa! And then I realized, okay, Adam scheduled a post, and I, I absolutely hate seeing myself. Um, I, I think hopefully I'll get over that. I, I think yeah, most people it's like you, you you get a little cringed when you hear your own voice like recording. It's like oh, I sound like that, but that's something I got to get over um, in order to be able to get, continue producing these things. At standard notes on Twitter to see what I post next. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Standard Notes podcast, or maybe I should say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays if you're an Apple fan, because it's the greatest time of year, the time of year where Apple usually releases their latest OSs, they announce some hardware too, full transparency, we're recording this about a month in advance, it usually drops around now, perhaps it was last week, perhaps it's next week, we'll, we'll wait and see. I should probably introduce myself, my name's Adam, Standard Notes is the end to ending note-taking app that keeps all of your stuff safe. Mo is the founder of Standard Notes. He's here. And we're going behind the scenes to find out what's new. We're talking new stuff. We're talking Apple. Mo, are you an Apple user? Well, how do I feel about the alternative is the question. I don't know how to use an Android phone. I like, I, I'm like my dad or, or mom uh, on an technology on an android like i have no idea just it just makes no sense to me um so i'm 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 locked into apple because of that i'm exactly the same if you put me in front of a pc i think i just sort of headbutt it and walk away (laughs) every year apple releases new versions of the ios for iphone ios 17 is coming out or out now uh mac os watch os for apple watch 2 and over the past few years apple have really positioned themselves as a a privacy first company i think of their ads their slogan is literally privacy that's iphone what do we think mo is apple's privacy game just a fancy publicity stunt well i don't think it's a publicity stunt but you know you got to verify this just follow the money right For, for a company like apple it's very clear that they are in the product business and not necessarily the advertising business. The whole privacy chaos like comes from advertising. That's all it is. Is like if you take away advertising, there's really no privacy qualms in the world. Maybe some data mining, you know, some personal data if you're using, let's say, I don't know. I want to say Evernote, but let's just use an example like Evernote. If you, there, there's no advertisements, but you know they could still mine your data if, they, if that's what they're interested in. But that's not a huge use case. The huge multi-billion, maybe trillion, actually, yeah, trillion dollar industry is advertising, and Apple is a little have, have dipped their toes in in advertising, but it's not it's not a huge part of their business. I think they only do app store advertising, and it's non tracking based it's it's more like keyword based so you follow the money and you can with good confidence say it's not really a publicity stunt they they do have a serious interest in privacy and and why wouldn't you i mean that's great business it's like what consumer would would walk away from a product because it has too much privacy you can only gain as a company selling privacy assuming it doesn't jeopardize your user experience or the, the quality of your product and for apple They've done a great job of building hardware that's able to run ML algorithms directly on device. 
The question, of course, is whether they'll continue to be able to keep that up, especially with large language models, and whether those can run on device. It seems like we're getting to the point where you they they, they can be small enough to run on device, and whether. It's it's inevitable, I think, that Apple will replace Siri with something that's backed by something like ChatGPT. The question is, of course, well, Siri is not Siri is not private. I think, yeah, they send your voice to their servers. Of course, they delete them, and sometimes they'll listen to them if you, I guess, give them permission to. So, yeah, I guess with LLMs, they'll still be able to run them on the server. But I, I think that's. What, Nobody really uses Siri, I think, for anything more than like setting a timer. But with LLMs, there is a potential that you might, because I seriously have some serious conversations with with ChatGPT, like consultations about everything. So I think privacy, that's going to be interesting for them to to see if they're able to have some sort of privacy. I really doubt it. But they're probably just not going to draw attention to that fact, you know, sort of redirect your attention to how the photos are private and and the messages are private. So I think Apple has a lot of incentive to to maintain privacy, but of course, it's not it's not all in because of course there are a lot of services that rely on a server side component like Siri. So while I I do think Apple does a a hundred times better job than, let's say, Google. There's always more to be done, and I will say that having full hardcore privacy and security encryption is very, very hard to do, and very hard to build a billion-dollar company off of that. It just just makes everything very hard from a development perspective, from a timeline perspective, from user experience perspective not that it's you know that, that that'd be interesting to see you know what is the first fully private and encrypted billion dollar maybe public company i'd love to see that being done i don't think it'll be standard notes uh because i, I don't own a suit and i can never really go on on the, the wall street uh new york stock exchange ring a bell i can never be me uh, but I'd love to see it done just to show us that it can be done and and sort of empower the rest of us. But yeah, for the large part, I, I think Apple is quite serious about privacy and especially with their new end-to-end encrypted iCloud feature, adv- what is it, advanced data protection. It's super scary stuff in terms of when you go and enable it, they tell you, it's like, look, if you forget this password, you're done. And that's when you know it's real uh, with regards to end-to-end encryption. So, you know, hats off to them. That's not easy to build. And it's not, um, it's very scary to build because Apple cares about their users. Apple cares about making sure users don't suffer unnecessarily. And a big point, uh, a big sort of pain point for them with regards to encryption was that most people would rather keep access to their photos for their lifetime rather than having them be ultra secure. But if they forget their password, which they always do, consumers always forget their password, they're locked out forever. That's not good for Apple. So yeah, hats off to them for foregoing that risk and, and, and offering that option. I don't think they'll ever make it the default, but the fact that it's an option, I think is great. And, um, definitely cements their uh, sort of dedication to this direction. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I've kind of battled with in the past. I I used to be a, a user of Proton Mail and all of those kind of things. 
And I remember maybe 2020 looking for an end-to-end encrypted photo app and couldn't find anything that really ticked all of my boxes. You know, I wanted it on my phone. I also wanted it on my Mac. I wanted it to be really easy for me. And then last year, as you say, Apple uh, in the US and then at the start of this year in the UK launched Advanced Data Protection, which is their end-to-end encrypted magical (laughs) magical box and i've gone through and i've turned it on and you're right it is terrifying it tells you to kind of write down and secure somewhere safe this sort of i think it's 64 characters massively long key somewhere and kind of you did turn it on huh i have turned it on yeah it is on the only problem of course is that you can't you can't i'm just loading it up i'm just checking it's on the, the only problem is you can't uh use icloud web with it mm, so makes sense yeah but th- th- you know i'm guessing you probably have decades of photos now essentially backed by this one password i don't know it's like look i have these photos they're private to me it's me and my family and i i, I don't want them necessarily the world to see but if they see it won't be devastating it'll just be a very major inconvenience and for me there there are things that i want fully hardcore as hardcore as i can get privacy encryption on that's the things i put in standard notes for example and there are things where i actually want a little bit of convenience and flexibility and and that those are photos of because um, with photos you don't really realize how precious they are until you go back and and see it's like like I forgot that I was that person. I forgot that I did that. I forgot. And actually, you know, that, that might take us to, to the to the journaling question. But for me, I there are times where so I, I I've kept a blog for probably the six seven years now that I've been working on Sentinel. I've kept it along for a long a long time, but it, it's been most active during my time working on Sentinel Notes. And there was a time in in twenty maybe eighteen where I did this challenge, a, a personal challenge of can i write every single day for x number well it it was unbounded it's like i think there's a book called the artist's way and in it she advocates for this sort of self-therapy of risk writing on a piece of paper like every morning when you wake up almost the first thing that you do just scribbling down whatever comes to your mind just let it flow it seemed very appeasing and, and interesting and I tried it. And at first you're like, what can I possibly write about? I don't have, I can't produce something every day. And then you find out, oh, it just, it's just your brain. It just, you can't turn it off. All you're doing is, is taking whatever's running through your brain and writing on a piece of paper. There'll always be something. Whether it's good or not is a different question, but it usually is pretty good. It's interesting because you don't expect it. And um, yeah, that sort of pressure on you to create every day. It's like, can, can I be, can you do that? Because I always thought of my person, uh, myself as a kind of person that couldn't do that. And I proved myself wrong, which was one of the most useful exercises I've done in my life. And it empowered me and it made me realize like, oh, I can do that. I, I can be the kind of person that could sort of do something that I never thought I could do. But anyway, as part of these daily sort of posts, I would document just you know the mundane, the exciting, the miserable, the depressing. It's just however you felt that day. And um, about a year ago, I had 
begun to struggle with a bout of burnout, having just overexerted myself. And, you know, if you know what burnout is, you know, and if you don't, you don't, but burnout is, is, is serious. It's really serious because once it hits, you, you can't control the recovery. It's just whenever it comes, it comes. And this particular burnout lasted a good several months. And it, for me, it's the worst sort of pain because all I want to do is work. And that's the only thing that gives me happiness. It's very bad. I mean, like, uh, don't let your kids listen to this, but the only thing that gives me happiness is having something meaningful to work on. And that's just code. And without that, I'm just nothing. I'm empty. I'm a shell. And um, so for the longest time, I couldn't quite figure out. I didn't know it was burnout, by the way. I, I just thought something was wrong with me or not. I really knew it was some kind of burnout. But it kind of disguises itself in different shapes and forms. It, um, it, it, it manifests in different places where it's like... It mostly manifests as disinterest. And that's the really scary part. It's like you become disinterested, demotivated. And where I was in that moment, in the most present tense, was how do I recover from this? Like, I don't know what to do anymore and I need to do something. And in that post, I sounded like myself today in that moment. And what it said was that it just goes away, first of all. You don't, you just relax. It, you'll just heal one day. Like you don't have to stress. You don't have to worry about what you need to do to do this. It just goes away and you just kind of slowly get back into it and there's nothing wrong with you. I don't really remember exactly what the, what the moral of the post was, but I do remember that it instantly cured me of burnout because I realized my burnout was temporary and it, and I finally gave it the word burnout essentially. But all I'd say is that if it weren't for me rereading my history, my record, my journal of myself, I would have forgotten what I've what I've went through. You'd be so surprised at the things you forget. You don't even like you don't even notice you forget. That's the worst part. Until you go back and see the photo, see the the, the blog post, see the journal, and you you remember who you were, and that's so important. The history of your I mean history. Let's say. My wife asked me, like, if I'm listening to a history podcast or like, uh, I really like history. I, I think a lot of people do. She's like, well, how, are you, how are you interested? Like, if I'm watching a documentary and he's just like, well, how are you interested in this? Like, well, what's so interesting about this? I'm like, it's where we came from. It's like, how do we understand ourselves if we don't know where we come from? And it's very similar to the history of yourself. It's like, if you don't document it, you will forget. You'll forget what happened last week. I forget my... <laughs> If I take a day off from my routine, uh, so I drink coffee in the morning just once. I never, I've never been able to drink more than one cup of coffee a day. As much as I'd like to, I just can't. Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. I get like dizzy on my second cup. But if I if I fast for the morning and then have a second cup iced, I don't have any problems. It feels pretty good. So for the past couple of weeks, I've been doing that. It's like okay, I'll get up early in the morning, have a cup, and then come noontime. I'll have a second cup of iced coffee just to get me back into the office because otherwise I'm not going to have any motivation to, to come back. By the way, noontime for me is like 4 p.m. for the regular person. I'm up at like 4 a.m. every day to get ahead of my daughter waking up. So I did that. I've been doing that for like two, three weeks and I really liked the routine. I'm like, okay, wow, it gives me two work sessions instead of just one a day. But one day I, I, didn't, I couldn't drink the second cup, cup, cup of coffee for whatever reason. 
maybe we went somewhere or something. And so I, I skipped that routine. And the next day, I just completely forgot that I was a two cup of coffee guy, and I just and I just stopped drinking the second cup of coffee, and um, it, it just completely slipped my mind. And then I was browsing like Twitter or something, and I saw a cup of iced coffee. I'm like, holy crap! I used to drink two like, just the other week. I was a two cup of coffee, person, and I just forgot. Anyway, these are the kind of things you just forget if if you if you don't sort of document them and you know the coffee is innocuous but for more serious things you you definitely want to be journaling you want to be capturing not because they are valuable today but because of their value to you tomorrow so uh, i i i i know i read the, the the show notes beforehand so i know you want to talk about journaling so that's why i i brought this up yeah, I mean, I'm a, just on coffee. I'm a right coffee fiend. I've got a, a very fancy new coffee machine and I've not been able to stop myself putting capsule after capsule after capsule in and just pressing the button. So I'm I'm very highly caffeinated. How moment. many cups do you uh, go for a day? Way too many. <laughs> Way too <laughs> Say no many. more. Five, five a day. Five, wow. Which I'm sure to some people is not that many, but to me oh, who previously, lot, yeah, to me who previously had like one of those press error yeah. press things do you not get raging headaches like no later no. in the day or if you skip a, a cup or something I, I i do get headaches if i don't have anything mm. so i don't think i'd be like you i think if i had nothing i would i would very <laughs> very quickly notice yeah but you've sort of yes you're right you sort of touched on kind of what i wanted to talk about obviously the health data on iPhone has been encrypted since the very beginning. Uh, Apple are launching a new thing with iOS 17. It's something that I'm very excited about. It's called Journal. It's its own app. And as far as I understand it, it's it basically collects information from elsewhere in the Apple ecosystem and puts it all in one app. So if you go for a run and you have an Apple Watch, it tracks that run and puts it in the journal app. If you're listening to music, it'll put what you've listened to in the journal app. If you've taken photos, it will take the photos you've taken and put them in the journal app. What's standard notes is take on that i know companies like day one i think are probably adopting the viewpoint a rising tide lifts all boats but if i were there might be terrified i think yeah i mean definitely day one is is very specifically in the journaling business for us one as a as a person the journaling feature i think is is genius in a sense and is awesome because what ios lacks right now is organizing all your memorabilia into some kind of any fashion like photos it's just a dump can, can you put photos in folders i don't think you can and uh, your your audio your yeah your health data how do you correlate health data to a photo how do you put a video with with like a how do you have context to all this data you have on your phone? And I think probably, I probably, if I had to think about it, not saying this is the case, but I bet you they didn't start with a journaling app. They they probably started thinking, okay, how do we unify the data that users have on their phone, like their photos, their videos, their audio, even their messages, their runs, the music they listen to, the apps they opened. How do we correlate that with with a record of who they were on that day because of 
that's that's an important thing to have. It's valuable. It's like correlating data is very valuable. And um, yeah, maybe one thing led to another because it's 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 like you wouldn't expect Apple to be the kind of company that says we need a journaling app. It, it evolved, I think, from from a, it's a really good. It seems to be a really good solution to a to a real problem. So I think that's an awesome use case of being able to document your life. I don't know how automatic it is. I, I'm guessing there's going to be some sort of automation. Will they recommend like, hey, do you want to talk about this photo that you took? Do you want to put some thoughts? So I think that's a great use case that I'm very curious to see how well it plays out, particularly the text aspect. Most people like to take photos and videos, but they don't like writing. And um, unless it's on Instagram, I, mean, I get surprised by the, the essays that people post on Instagram under their post. Uh, it just brings out the writer in them. I don't, I don't understand it. Everyone becomes like a motivational writer. So maybe that that's... It, the journaling app will elicit that sort same sort of vibe, which would be cool to see, honestly. So, as as in far as far as how Standard Notes feels about that, I think honestly, it, it's not really in our realm to deal with the same scope. I, I don't think you'd use the journaling app for recording your sort of seek. Uh, well, if you might. You might use it for your diary sort of secrets, but like if you're dealing with documents, if you're dealing with legal uh, statements, if you're um, writing a, a markdown specification, um, you're not going to use a journaling app for that. If you're dealing with passwords and keys, and I, I think yeah, standard notes makes it very clear what what we're focused on, which is something very particular, which is something that you can't put anywhere else. You you put in standard notes what you can't put anywhere else. And the iOS journal will be really no exception to that. What you can't put in that journal, you put in standard notes. So in in terms of a rising tide lifts all boats, it definitely won't be detrimental to us. I, I don't think we'll see some sort of decline in, in our performance. But if anything, if it does elicit the inner writer in all of us, whether we stand to gain from that, I... I it would be a little bit far, like a little bit far stretched, but I would imagine maybe day one might have something to gain, but also might have a lot to lose. But overall, I, I think it's a very welcome feature and, and I really look forward to seeing it and maybe using it. Yeah, I mean, full full honesty and transparency here. I'm I'm a day one user when it comes to journaling. I've already canceled my subscription. Oh my God, really? So, which, you know, it, it kind of breaks my heart because I've got six, seven years worth of entries in day one, which include photos and, and videos. And, you know, as, as we've said, all of those sort of memory things, uh, I think perhaps the most useful tool of day one is the ability to kind of go back in time. You know, I open the app and it says, here's what you did one year ago, two years ago, three years ago, etc. I, I just think I'm going to be better served by something that the Apple makes. And right. that's, you know, that does break my heart because it's, it's been a day one has been a wonderful app for me for the past seven years. Yeah. The thing about, especially the, the economic conditions now is that I feel like a lot of people are looking for any possible way to consolidate their subscriptions. So let's say as soon as Proton came out with a password manager, probably a bunch of people canceled uh, their one password subscription if they already have Proton. I know I canceled, I used to use another VPN besides Proton, 
but once you realize you can just fit all in one plan and pay the same price, um, you can start to consolidate your subscriptions. I think that's a very powerful trend. And I think that, well, it'd be scary the day that we are at the mercy. But on the other hand, it's like Apple already has notes, but you know we're not losing customers to them. In fact, we're gaining customers from people who aren't fulfilled by Apple notes. So that sort of consolidation, I think, you know, it's like people canceling Spotify when Apple Music came out, and now there's Apple One, which I think gives you music, gives you TV, gives you everything. There's no competing with those ecosystems. Like the the one, any 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 subscription name with one in it, you're screwed as as a competitor. There's no competing. Day one, I, I have used it in the past. I think it's a, it's a fantastic tool, um, but. I've also haven't seen too much of the Apple journaling app, so I don't know whether it stands in direct competition. Of course, the one advantage any product can have over Apple is the lack of lock lock-in. And if the thing about awareness of lock-in is you have to be somewhat savvy to know that you shouldn't be locked in to a single ecosystem. But yeah, if you want to access it on an Android or a Windows uh, computer, or uh, I don't know, it'll be available for web. Um, these things are valuable to some segment of the population and then they'll come seek out your product. Uh, it's not going to be as big of a segment, but um, so for us, you know, that's always a segment that we'll have regardless of who enters the encrypted note-taking space, which is not like, I don't think lucrative enough for a huge company to enter. It's notes. It's like a note-taking app. And, you know, I don't know. It's for us, we'll always have the sort of focus on, let's say, cross-platform. And within the cross-platform aspect, there's just the, the quality of the product, which is just very hard to emulate uh, without just having invested so much time into it to build it up to this point. So we're not necessarily fearful of any sort of competition eating our lunch. And if they do, you know, we'll just adapt. We're a small company. We don't have to, we, it doesn't take a lot. We, we don't, our caloric intake are, and our needs are not as high as, as a bigger company. So we're not at the mercy of like uh, some overnight event completely destroying our business. I, I think we'll be okay. On ecosystems, I, I accept that I'm already screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> all of exactly. all of my data is in the big Tim Cook vaults. Yeah, right. It's it's hidden there. I actually I did a bit of a search on our Discord server. There's a, a link in the show notes. Come join us. Say hello. I searched journal and tons of things popped up. One I thought was really interesting. Somebody said, uh, I spend 95% of my journaling life on mobile, either iPhone or iPad with a Bluetooth keyboard. It's primarily for mobility reasons that I'm now converting from Obsidian, which is sort of this second brain kind of tool, to Standard Notes. So there's there's loads for you here at Standard Notes. And of course, you can use the daily notes feature as well, which I think I've said in the past, I use as a bit of a to-done list. So things that I've I've done in the day. Yeah. Well, the, the word second brain is, is not tolerated in our community. <laughs> well, I, I, no, I have, I probably shouldn't say this because I, I, a lot of people are interested in second brain, like a surprising number of people are interested in second brain. I'm not that kind of person. Like it just as a person, I'm, I'm not the kind of person that overwhelms my uh, repositories with information and just captures everything. I actually, I used to maybe, 
for example, like if you're an ideas type of person, let's say you want to start a, an app or a company or something, initially what you, you'll, you'll be tempted to just write everything down. Like anytime you have an idea, just write it down. And then what happens is that you just end up with a huge list of ideas and they have no value whatsoever. And so now anytime I have an idea, let's say for something within standard notes, if you, if I write it down, it's cursed. It'll never happen. But if I don't write it down and it's even, if it's important enough, it'll just stay with me and I can't forget about it. And it's those features and it's those thoughts that have real value. The ones that you just can't forget. If you forget about it, it's, it doesn't, it wasn't worth really writing down in the first place. You're just going to add clutter. That's sort of my philosophy in terms of note taking is that, you know, you want to play it safe by also keeping an insurance policy against your thoughts by having, by writing everything down just in case you need something. I've, I've, I've almost never encountered a situation where I wish I wrote something down. If it was, it was like some kind of like command that I ran to fix some bug on, on terminal. It's like, oh, I should have written that down because it took like an hour of research to figure out. Now I write those down all the time, but anything else, I think that you're just creating a mess for yourself that you'll need a product to, okay, here's my cynical take on second brain. And it, it's cynical. It's not really cynical. It's more of a conspiracy theory, which I think honestly has truth. It's not, I don't know what to call it, but essentially it, it's just a, an economic model of if you want to sell something, you need a problem to solve. But if there's no problem to solve, there's nothing you can sell. So you know, no no company sells fasting uh, as, as a diet because how can I sell you anything with fasting? Fasting is the absence of consumption. I can't sell you anything there. So you're not going to hear about, let's say, fasting being recommended by a food company. That just makes no sense. And so in the same way, any company or person selling a second brain also has to sell you on the idea of overpopulating or having an abundance of information in your repository that requires a solution. And I'm not saying that's that's what what's, what happened. I don't think there's any dishonesty at all in, in, in the second brain industry. I think it's 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 all very earnest and real. And I think just people are, some people are just naturally the kind of people that just write everything down and they need a solution and it, it, it saves them as far as they say. Yeah, I just have a different philosophy about this and, and just that you don't want to uh, overclutter yourself in the first place where you need a system. Now, my use case is going to be way different for anyone else's. So I, can, I definitely don't speak for everyone here. If you're like in academia or you're a scientist or something, you may take way more notes than I do. But, you know, if I read a book, I'm not taking notes. There's no way I'm taking notes. I'm, I'm not, like, there are people that just, yeah, they, they read a book and they'll stop every 10 seconds to just write it down in their notes app and, and they'll come, they'll have a full note of things that I learned from this book. And to me, I, that's crazy to me. I would, to me, it's like the book becomes me when I read it. It's like, you don't need to write it down. It just changes you and you become that person. And yeah, you'll forget, you'll forget what you read, but it, it doesn't unchange who you've become as a book, uh, as a person from the book. And, and, and books for me in my 20s were essential to, to breaking out of the, the matrix that I was in as, as a teenager and the, the beliefs of your parents and, and growing up and the, the beliefs of your community. Um, you can't escape those without things like books. But I didn't need to write anything down. It just changed you and you become a new person. And, and, and 
you have that to thank to the books and to, 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 to the things you've learned. And yeah, in fact, if I read those things now as notes, I'd be like, yeah, obviously, duh. Like, it's like, yeah, now it's obvious to you. But so that's the that's approach that I take is that let the information flow through you, let it change you and let it flow right back out. And if it's important enough, it'll stick in, in the trap, whatever filter you want to send in your brain. And if it doesn't stick, it's just not important enough. I feel an entire episode on second brains might be to second brain or not to second brain. That's the question. I feel that coming up. But for now, that's all we've got time for. Remember, if you've got a question for us or a a take on second brains, Discord is the place to ask. You can join literally thousands of other Standard Notes users. There's a link in the show notes. And if you've never heard of Standard Notes, it's the end-to-end encrypted note-taking app that keeps all of your stuff safe. Download it, try it for free, upgrade for tons of powerful extra features. Standardnotes.com is the place to give it a go. I've been Adam, he's been Mo, and until next time, think fearlessly. Fearlessly.